Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, and we're back on Ayers on the Road, and it is Christmas Eve. Wow, we're here. Welcome, all of you, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> ho, 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 ho. You know, Linda, we were going to talk about this last week and we forgot, but maybe if some of you are listening really early in the morning on Christmas Eve, you will still have a chance to do this. One of the dilemmas, all of all, we really thought a lot about this, and I was probably way too worried about it than I should have been. I don't think it bothered you as much as me, but I was worried about the combining of imagination, the imagination and fantasy of santa claus and getting and having this list of things i want and so on and the deep reality of jesus and giving and serving and worshiping i was worried about the juxtaposition of those two i was worried that kids couldn't differentiate between them and i i probably worried about that to excess and we just want to start out today by saying, and again, it's probably too late for many of you. If, if this, if you like this idea, you'll probably have to do it next year, but maybe not. Maybe you can still do some of it if you're listening on Christmas Eve. But we did, a, we built a wall between the two. We decided that for us in our family, Christmas Eve was going to be only about Jesus, about Bethlehem, about the shepherds, about the wise men, and about giving gifts. And so on Christmas Eve, our children gave their gifts, and all the focus was on how did you choose that beautiful gift? You're amazing as a giver, and on and on, and our little Jerusalem supper. Maybe it's that maybe some of you will want to do this even at this late date, but Linda, uh, no, that was the no, great. Not no, you're not the right day. Well, no. just think about. Don't it forget that you don't have to prepare this. <laughs> but, that, but Linda, you were so great at that. I mean, we transported ourselves back to Nazareth as a family. I mean, everything—the food, the costumes, the candles, the absence of electricity. You know, let's reminisce about that just for a minute since it's Christmas Eve. When gave us this idea all these years ago, and we have done it every Christmas Eve since then. We called it the Jerusalem Supper for a while, but we should have called it the Nazareth Supper because we, this is a little weird, but we're going to tell you about it. We pretended that we were the family of Mary and and Joseph was invited to dinner, obviously, because they were going to set off the next day to go to Bethlehem yeah. to pay their taxes. So we gather around on a, a beautiful evening with candlelight and we eat what they would have eaten. Fish and figs and dates flatbread and flatbread and, and, and the candles are glowing and everyone's dressed in the garb of that time. And. We were amazed looking back how how young some of our children were and really got into this. I mean, they got to choose what character they would be. There was always a Mary and a Joseph, of course, the coveted lead role. And the parents of Mary. And, and we were the parents. We were all we never changed. We always got to be. We the were parents, always yeah. Mary's parents. Joachim and Anna. Right. <laughs> and uh which there's some biblical uh 
you know, evidence that that was Mary's parents' names. But the kids, some of them would be itinerant uh, coconut salesmen who <laughs> happened to be in the neighborhood. <laughs> coconut. There's no coconuts. <laughs> well, they could choose their identity, but they did it with some frivolity, but with some seriousness. And once in a while, a, a traveling salesman came by. Our kids have taken us to a different level now, and they're yeah. inviting their friends to do it. It is just so fun. It was fun. a big dinner, and it was the, the na- a lot of them were, were, you know, Mary's younger siblings or whatever, and and then the conversation would just flow and often centered around, you know, our concern that it was a hundred miles to Bethlehem and could could she possibly go in this condition? And is the donkey okay? Is you know, what are we worried about? And and uh, it just put us in that reality that 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 night for Christmas. We did that every year. When did we start that? When we lived in England. So we had just yeah, little little really kids. tiny children, and and then right from that, after that beautiful, and then the nativity, of course, with you know that I had to shift identity and be the donkey that Mary was riding on. <laughs> but then after that, going into this time on Christmas Eve when the children gave their gifts, nothing about Santa, nothing about what they're going to get, nothing about any of that, just the reality of history and of and of spiritual worship of Christ. And I just think that's the best thing we ever did. I mean, it was the it, it alleviated my worry about being able to differentiate between reality and history and worship on the Christmas Eve and fantasy and imagination and getting I mean, let it rip, right? After you've spent the Santa whole, Claus, yeah. Yeah, after you've spent that beautiful spiritual evening, now just indulge in imagination and what did Santa bring and on and on. But it's the next day, it's separated. Yeah. My special memories of those nights were after we did the little nativity scene. Then we had the children all give their gifts to each other, which I think you mentioned. But yeah. they had you know this was this was crazy for a while we had every child buy a little something for every sibling the dollar store or whatever oh yeah but think but of that about it the, the, Hard, think yeah. of that this 81, 81 little, little junkie <laughs> that are around their house that you're gonna have to clean up that didn't last very long but the joy of that moment and we, as we talked about last week how did you moment. know that's what i wanted oh, i mean there was all these hugs and all this Gratitude. And one year we said, you can't spend any money. You have to figure out something. Make your gift. You have to make, obviously, it took a little money to make something. But oh, we had cardboard cars that were just fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, those were the days. Um, but there were some things that we didn't do twice. But it really was incredible what that moment that is our very favorite part of christmas because it was not about that what they were getting but what they were giving away now uh, we're not going to suggest that that's any better or any worse than some of the christmas traditions you have as listeners the main thing is that every family has these beautiful traditions at christmas time and whatever yours are 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 and or if you're still modifying them and learning what you want to do on a permanent basis if you're a young family just enjoy that spirit of Christmas. And our theme for today, I think, Linda, ties in so beautifully to this because 
This is our this is number 21 in our series on three letter lessons. And again, just to remind you briefly, these are we're going to get up to 30 something or 40 before we're done with this series, but little three letter words that embrace a concept of something you want to be, of a quality or a a personality trait or a characteristic that you want to have more of in your life. And last last week, for those of you that listened, it was now, living in the now, N-O-W. This week we had a problem, honey, because <laughs> we knew exactly what we wanted to talk about, but we couldn't seem to find any three-letter word that embraced it. So I'm not going to reveal what the three-letter word is yet. I'm going to just talk about the concept and we'll okay. get to the three-letter word, okay. okay? But we both like it. We like it a lot. But the concept is praise. And what could be a better time to talk about praise than on Christmas Eve and on, on Christmas? Why I'm going to pose the question to you, Linda, to myself and to everyone at once. Why is praise such an important thing? I mean, the scriptures are particularly the Old Testament, but but in a in a different way, the New Testament even more, I guess, praising God. God seems to want us to praise him, or we seem to want to praise God. And we we just, you know, why are someone told me, and I don't know how they'd calculated this, that between 10 and 20% of all the Bible is devoted to praising God. And and a skeptic might say, why? <laughs> Does God need us to praise him? Yeah, of course not. No. So, so why? Why do the prophets? Why? Why is everyone praising God all the time? Isn't that kind of a statement of the obvious? Why is it so important? But it is. It's pretty amazing. I think you looked up in our hymn book how many songs there were. Yeah, yeah. In our hymn book for church, how many songs are there in the in total? How many? Oh, I don't. Three hundred and something. Yeah. Three hundred and forty yeah. or something. Well. We have an index in that book that lists these hymns by category. One of the categories is praise, and it's the second largest category. The, the largest one is Jesus, as one would hope, but the second largest category is hymns of praise. 34 hymns about wow. praise. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. And then more about worship. If you add them together, that's more than 50 of our hymns. Why? Why, Why is that such a big deal? Well, what has made me think is to pay attention. I don't pay attention to the words as much. I'm a musician, so I like to sing the different parts. Yeah, that is true. And, you know, the the, the hymn is familiar, so you've heard it so many times. And I have, since then, I've really started paying attention to words, and it makes all the difference in the way you feel about praising the Lord when you are in church, even if it's not about praise, thinking about the words, really thinking about them. They're poetic. They're beautiful. The reason I'm smiling, I've never thought of it that way, honey, but you, Linda knows every tune, every song, every, all four of the parts, every aspect of the music in all these 300 and some odd songs. I just know the words to all of them. 
<laughs> Linda's always holding up the hymn book yeah. and trying to share it with me, and I don't need the hymn book. I know the words. Yeah, you have an amazing mind. <laughs> but I don't know the music. I mean, that's why. Words. Oh, that's why we're such a <laughs> partnership. You got the music. I got the words. We're like Lerner and Lowe. We're like Rogers and right. Oh yeah, for sure. That's I'm exactly writing the words. You're oh, writing yeah. the music. <laughs> writing. We're not writing anything. We're absorbing, but we you we absorb it differently. Hey, let's the hymn together. Yeah, I can no. do the words. <laughs> um, it really is so important though to think about those words. We I don't know how you feel about singing at your church and. Uh, I just have to say that our church is pretty dismal. Unless oh, oh, people aren't singing loud. They're not singing <laughs> as though they are praising God. They are not. Um, unless you live in New York City. <laughs> there is the most fabulous uh, congregation. Where our there. sons go. The, the, yes. Oh, yeah. the organist is fabulous and plays and everybody sings, sings their heart out. It is so joyful to sing, really sing. And I, that is something that we... Well, can we just admit it? Can we just admit that on, on Easter and also at Christmas time, we really like to go to a different church, a different denomination, because on Easter, we like to go to the Calvary Baptist Church, because those people know how to sing. And they know how to praise the Lord. <laughs> That's true. That is for sure. And, and on Easter, I, we go to the I'm well, it's funny you would say that because I am singing in the choir, and we have a little string group. Richard's playing the cello oh, in our little string group. No, Christmas is different. We we do a really good job by That's Christmas. true. That's you true. have to admit that. But, I mean, just a regular, you know, May 13th. Um, well, let's let's finish the story. So Gladys Knight is a, actually a convert to our church, the church we go to, and uh, – there's a, a story, I maybe it's apocryphal, but I like it anyway, that she had a, a, a chance to talk to the president oh, no. of our church. Oh, no, this happened. The, 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 are we sure this? Oh, oh, this was public. We okay. were there. There are some things you remember, I don't remember some things that. you don't remember. I thought it was just a story. No, she came out on the stage, and it was so amazing because they had just done this wonderful spiritual, and everybody was rocking. And, and then the <laughs> prophet came out, and she said, do you know? No, um, we really need to do something about the music in this church. <laughs> I love everything about this church, except that people don't sing very well or very loud or very, they don't jump into it like I do. Anyway, that was a moment, but uh, are we done with that? Yeah, we're done with that. <laughs> but it is it is true that we could be a lot better, at least. And we don't know what church you may belong to, but we're the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we need to feel more praise when we are singing these songs. So we need to take a little break, but all this is just a run-up to what we're going to say right in the first part of the second half of the show, which is we're going to reveal to you this three-letter word that we feel epitomizes praise, and we're going to tell you why we think so much of the Bible and so many of our songs and so much of worship is tied up in this thing that some of us wonder why this thing that we call praise. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about praise. 
we can't even just say plain praise. We need to say praise, praise, praise the Lord. And I, and by the way, those 34 songs basically are my favorite songs in the hymn book. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. I mean, the words, again, I'm on the words here on right. the singing, right? Um, That's going through my mind, the, the song, not there, the words. There's yet. so many. And, and around Thanksgiving time, there's so many songs of praise and Thanksgiving and so on. So, so we want, oh, so let's answer the question. Let's, let's give our little answer, and you may have a better one. Why is praising God an important thing to do? Some, again, skeptics would say, God doesn't need us to praise him. Let's just get down to business here. And I, I have a friend that, that skips over. I mean, why does the scripture say so? Why is we got this whole book of praising God in Psalms? Or why don't we just get down to what God wants us to do and try to do it? Let's be more practical. Well, it's dawned on us, and maybe this is an old thought to some of you, and you, you'll be able to elaborate on this, Linda. I'm just going to say it. But it's dawned on us that when you are praising God, you are getting the perspective that God is everything, and you are essentially nothing. In other words, praise, praising God causes you to confront the reality of your own humility and your own mm -hmm. smallness, your mm -hmm. own insignificance. And that is what humility is, is recognizing, I mean, that, that's one definition, right? Recognizing the everythingness, quote unquote, of God and the nothingness, as the Book of Mormon calls it, of, of man. And that's what worship is. That's what understanding and that precedes prayer. That precedes so many things. It it give, praising God gives us a reality picture of the universe and of who we are within it, and we are mighty small. Yes, absolutely. And the more small we feel, the more humble we feel, the more nothingness we feel. Um, the more we need our God and our Savior, and I think. That is why we need to praise him and acknowledge that we couldn't do anything without him, but without him. Yeah. Um, it really is so important to do that. So and think of the Christmas connection of that, honey. I know you're anxious to get to the three-letter word, <laughs> but but what do we do at Christmas? We we contemplate. I love this. This is a long word, it's not the word we're gonna get to today. But I love the word condescension, the condescension of God yes, right. coming from the majesty of the universe and his creation and his dominion and his everythingness coming into the body of a baby in this poor little province in Judea, probably the most humble circumstances imaginable to be born in this cave or this barn with these animals and 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 to that condescension is is a powerful powerful message and it has to do with god giving up his glory long enough to save us and so you know you can't even find the words to express right. that it's impossible to really express how grateful we are for that amazing sacrifice 
it blows your mind. We've been watching a wonderful series called The Chosen. Probably many of you have also. Um, it is so interesting. I mean, it may not be exactly historical, but it does take you back in time and you realize, wow, this is incredible. This this magnificent God comes down to be in the body of a little baby. Yeah. Um, The harshness. I mean, one of the things that the chosen does is makes you sort of aware of how harsh and difficult and primitive the world was in which he lived and how just finding food for the day and, and, you know, finding a place. Walking everywhere, walking, walking, walking. There was just, it was, incredible to actually see what came out of someone else's mind about how that might have been a very talented gifted man but uh and a lot of people who have have put this together is just astonishing um i can't watch those without feeling like i'm there i can't yeah. I, and and they do such and an amazing what would I do job. If I was there? How of, would I react to? to, to right, this? exactly. And they do such an amazing job of developing personalities, especially the personality of Jesus. Yeah, who they make yeah. so human. Um, he gets tired. He plays with children. And he jokes. He, he jokes. He. Uh, it, it really is amazing that I mean we don't. We often think of him as just somber walking from village to village. He was a real person who was personable and loved people so yeah. much. And it really, I, we love it. So um, how do we, where where can we find a three-letter lesson, a three-letter word, this little word peg that's going to remind us, going to carry it around in our heart, and it's going to remind us to praise God. And by the way, before I reveal the word, we're just about there, folks. Hang on, but I want to say that that praise in in the words of in the in the prayers of prophets that we read of in the scripture, praise is an important part of their prayer. And and I often think we don't do that enough in today's world. In fact, when we're little children, we learn well. When you pray, you you say Heavenly Father, or you address God, and then you thank Him, and then you ask Him for things, and then you. And you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I think the prophet's prayers or the biblical scriptural prayers, there's praise. There's praise, even the Lord's prayer. Hallowed be thy name. It begins with praise. And I think we need to put a little more praise into our prayers because once, and it should be early in the prayer, because that positions you. That says, I'm nothing. You are everything. I'm thanking thee, I'm worshiping thee, I'm asking for blessings. So it's a beautiful concept. So <laughs> we're sitting across our partner's desk from each other the other night trying to think, what is a three-letter word that means praise? And we finally found one. And it's even better than we thought because last week on the show, those of you that listened, we challenged you to write a little poem about something about your awareness or about the word now well, we are you going to say about. the one that i first thought of oh yeah go ahead no, go ahead <laughs> what about wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah maybe a three-letter word for praises wow <laughs> actually it wouldn't be too bad well anyway go ahead but i looked in the thesaurus and i i said a three-letter word that means praise and what came up really got me thinking o-d-e and ode 
ode. The definition of an ode is a poem of praise. Yes, I I love that. I mean, ode to immortality, yeah. William Wordsworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is all about uh, where we came from, and little babies trailing in from with glory and so on. And it's all about praise. If you if you start looking at odes as a form of prayer, or as a form of poetry, <laughs> a little Freudian slip there, because they are in a way a, a poem, a, they're poems of prayer or of praise, sometimes for a lover, sometimes for something else, sometimes for beauty, uh, there's so many odes. Look, if you want to have fun, look up odes. They're, they're, they're all interesting poems because they're all praising something. But we want to use it as a word peg, O-D-E, ode. It's kind of a cool word to say, ode. And it means a poem of praise. And I like praise being poetic. Mo- the best praise is a poem or a psalm or a proverb or a some or a song. You know, that's right, that's right, the right. best kind of praise. So we're using that that word, O-D-E, ode, as our little three-letter lesson, number 21 in this series, to remind us of who we are, how small and insignificant and humble we need to be, and how great God is, how great our heavenly parents are. Wow, you could use it in a lot of different ways, an ode to this or an ode to that, but an ode to God, an ode to our Savior is really fun to think about. I'm going to try to write on Christmas Eve this day a little ode to the Savior and to his birth. I'm not going to share it with anyone, but maybe you, but it's going to help me to think in terms of praise and in terms of beauty. Poetry, an ode is almost always a beautiful poem. It's not written to scare us or to make us aware of something or to force us in any way. It's it's a it's a poem or a statement of beauty and praise. Yeah, I love this idea, um, and it's kind of a little bit sad that. So many. We lived in England for three years, as we've mentioned before, and then went back and uh, another year. taking care of a lot of missionaries on a an assignment there. And it really was amazing how how different life was uh, when we were there, and we were thinking about the Savior every day, so yeah. much, all the time. But the Church of England, uh, really, the only people that showed up at church. Um, was on Christmas and Easter, and I mean not the only. Obviously, there's some. Beautiful, we're not being critical. Beautiful our children there, went yeah. to Church of England schools and learned so much about the Bible. Oh my goodness, they had a Bible class every morning. Our kids know more about the Old Testament than at the, that were in school than than any of our other kids. So we certainly are not saying that. We're just saying how sad it is that um, often. We don't think about Jesus often enough. And just those two times a year is not enough for us or for anybody as far as we're concerned. But we are just so glad to be to have a hook to hang um, praise on. I think we do need to re- have an ode in our heart to the Savior every day when we wake up. I think I mentioned when we were staying in an Airbnb in England, actually, um, there was a little Christus just about 
five inches high in the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little statue. So that whoever slept there, when they woke up, the first thing they saw was that. And I thought, that is what we need, is some kind of reminder every day that Jesus is our salvation and that we need to remember to praise him. He's given us everything that we have. Well, and one of your favorite songs Again, you think of the music, I think of the words, but in this case, you think of the words too, because oh, yeah. give me Jesus. Oh, absolutely. Give I, me Jesus. In the morning when I wake, in the morning when I wake, in the morning when I wake, give me Jesus. I thought you were going to talk about the praise songs of my very favorite song, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that has so many praise words that are so incredible. So putting this all together, then, the, the, the most beautiful songs, in my opinion, that we have in Christianity are hymns of praise. They're beautiful because they're written to be beautiful, because part of praise is recognizing God's beauty and his perfection. But do we, you know, I mean, the answer to the question why does God want us to praise him? It has nothing to do with his need. It has to do with our needs. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it helps us so much if we wake and think about praise instead of thinking about what do I need? What do I need to do today? Um, so here's the coup d'etat. Here's the, here's the bottom line. Here's the, the, the summum bonum. Here's the... The the real thing, the real on, on the real Christmas reason Eve, on Christmas Eve, twenty twenty two. The biggest problem in this world, the biggest problem in my life, a little less so in your life, Linda. But the biggest problem is pride. You cannot think of a error or a flaw or hardly anything bad that doesn't connect itself in some way to pride. Pride is the bane of existence for so many of us, and it's just part of being human. And there are endless, endless treatises and books and theories written on how do you overcome pride? How do you get past pride? And we're going to be bold enough to say that in concept, this little three-letter word, this little, this little ode, this little praise, I'm going to just say it. I really believe this, and I'm going to spend, we're going to spend the last couple of minutes here trying to justify this. Praise is the antidote to pride. Yeah, that's true. True. Good. If, if we can focus our minds and keep in our hearts this idea of praising God and in the larger sense, acknowledging God, letting him prevail, letting our heavenly parents and their will for us, their agenda rather than ours be, be at the core of our lives. If we can just, and, and the way to do that, I mean, it's one thing to just walk around logically say and say, God is great. I am not, I am nothing. That, that doesn't mean the same thing as praising God and thus putting yourself in your place. Because then it has beauty, it has majesty, it has poetry, it has song, it has music, it has power. And so our challenge to you is live your life as an ode 
And the ode is praise for God. And that is an antidote to the pride that would get in your way otherwise. And, and will continue to be a challenge for all of us. And so if you happen to actually be listening to this on Christmas Eve, Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful one. And we'll see you next time on New Year's Eve. Until then, bye-bye.